Hi everybody. So recently I've started going live about once a week, usually on Tuesdays in my Facebook group. And I've had people asking me to put those on the podcast. They're just really kind of short little trainings for writers. So that's what I'm going to do. This is me putting my live on the podcast. This is obviously the audio version, but you can watch live or watch the video either on my YouTube account or in the prolific author group on Facebook. You can just search for that. And I also have uh, the link to it in the show notes. And I also go live to YouTube. So anyway, that's what this is. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you are able to learn something from this little training. Thanks for coming, everybody who's seeing this. Um, we apologize for starting a little bit late. We were having some tech issues, so um, I ended up pushing back the time by about 15 minutes, but we are all here now. And um, I'm really excited to have Stacy Juba with us. She's going to give us a great little workshop on editing and, well, kind of some different aspects of editing in your novel, which I will get to in just a minute. So especially because we're starting late, I'm not going to do too much before we just kind of dive into the workshop, but I just wanted to remind you that uh, next week I will be beta launching my course for anyone who's interested. So um, stay tuned for that and I will give you more details at the beginning of next week. It's just going to be open for a short time and I'm just looking for a few people who'd be willing to go through it at a steeply discounted price and give me some feedback. So just put that on your calendar if that's something you're interested in. Um, also make sure and get your freebies. Remember, uh, remember that I have um, the ultimate villainy checklist and also the nine essential plot points and I will put those links again in the comments of this post so that you can pick those up. They're just free resources for you. And um, make sure that you join the Prolific Author group, okay? So um, with that, let's turn the time over to Stacy. Stacy is an author herself and a freelance editor. So she knows all about editing and the kinds of mistakes authors make in their writing. And um, when I first uh, interviewed her for my podcast, we actually talked about common mistakes we see that first time writers make and like the kind of words we overuse a lot and things like that. So she's very, very knowledgeable, knowledgeable about that kind of thing. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you, Stacy. Okay. Hi everybody. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to focus today on nonverbal communication and um, body language. Um, I'm a freelance developmental editor um, and line editor, and I also teach online courses for writers. And again, I'm an author myself. Um, so body language used to be sort of like my Achilles heel. It was something I had to um, like learn and um, it common feedback from editors when I was first starting out, starting out back in the early 1990s was you need to flesh out your characters, um, make your characters more well-rounded. And eventually I realized that one of the missing elements was improving my use of nonverbal communication and body language. And as a freelance editor myself, that's something that I um, seems to be shared by a lot of authors. So I'm just going to share my screen here, and we're going to just do a deep dive into what nonverbal communication and body language is, and we'll give some examples of it and talk about why it's important for you to master in your writing. Um, okay. There we go. Okay. So, oops. Yeah, we have had so many technical glitches today. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's go to what is nonverbal communication. So nonverbal communication is aspects of communication like gestures and facial expressions, touch that don't involve verbal communication, but it might include nonverbal aspects of speech itself, such as inflections, emphasis, um, an accent, how quickly or slowly you speak, uh, how quietly or loudly um, in sounds such as grunts or moans. And body language is part of the umbrella of nonverbal communication, and that's the use of physical behavior, expressions, and mannerisms to communicate non-verbally and it's often done instinctively rather than consciously so your characters might not necessarily be aware that they're exhibiting this body language but you as the author can weave it in very strategically so there are different categories of nonverbal communication um oops there we go. head movements and posture gestures touch movement in space facial expressions eyes and eyes eye contact, physiological changes and in internal sensations, voice, and the last one is kind of was buried there <laughs> it, uh, with appearance. And we will dive into each one of those and I'll give you some examples. Um, and please, if anybody has any questions, um, just put them in the comments and I'll be happy to answer them. So why is this important for writers? The first reason is, uh, as an editor, I've observed that many beginner writers tell rather than show emotions. So they'll have phrases like, she was sad, he, he was angry, I felt so upset, um, I felt like crying, I felt nervous. Um, so nonverbal communication and body language is a way of showing that rather than just coming out and telling us. And reason number two is that most writers overuse general nonverbal communication phrases. And this is something that is not, not just beginner writers. I've seen, you know, many multi-published authors who have their favorite phrases that they tend to overuse. Um, and it, it's just something you have to become aware of. What are your own personal fallback phrases? So the common ones that I see are looked, smiled, grinned. Um, <laughs> nodded, walked, gazed, frowned, and mentions of eyes. Eyes is a big one. I would say it's probably the number one uh, most overused body language word that I see, or really any word, um, is look. That That is something that I see in the majority of manuscripts that I edit. Um, in, in some manuscripts, I've seen it at least once per page or sometimes multiple times per page. Um, you know, I tell writers, try to get it down. Like if you're writing a 250, 300 page book, um, try to get it down to like maybe 40 times um, because a lot of authors tend to have it in there like um, 100 times 200 or even more than that. And then smiled, grinned, these are all very common. Um, I see a lot of characters just walking, um, which is a lot of times that can be just cut out or it can be made more specific to um, to try to show what emotion you're trying to portray and then eyes again very very commonly overused now it's not that you have to avoid these words but um, you want to try to think of some fresher ways to com convey these 
Because if you just keep using words like that, it leads to bland, lackluster writing that lacks a strong voice, flat characters that lack motivation. And then if your readers don't understand why your characters are acting a certain way, you know, if that emotion or like what they're feeling isn't really coming through, then that's going to make it hard for your readers to connect to the characters. Um, so this is just a general example. So I'll see a lot of he smiled. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if, if you're constantly using just very generic phrases like that, um, you know, on every page, it might not just be smiled. It could be like he looked, he gazed, if he glanced at, if these, if these kind of generic um, body language phrases are appearing like on, you know, every page or two, it's, it's just really gonna have um, an impact on your style. Um, you know, it's kind of generic. It, it doesn't make your writing evocative. You know, it's, it's okay to use them once in a while, but you wanna reach for, for the, most of the time you wanna reach for something that's is stronger and more creative. So these are just some different examples of kinds of smiles, like a smile ghosted onto his face that kind of shows like it's a hint of a smile or um, a dimple indented his cheeks, his mouth kicked up in a half smile, amusement flickered across his face, his smile froze on his face. So these all are ways of describing a smile, but they kind of all have a different connotation. Um, and coupled with the dialogue and the character's internal thought and what's happening in the scene, they can help to convey the emotions that you're trying to get across. Um, now let's, we're gonna go into those categories. Remember at the beginning, I was going over the list of nonverbal communication categories. So now we're just gonna go into them one by one and I'm gonna give you some um, examples for each category and feel free in the comments to write like what emotion you, you think could go with some of these phrases. Um, for example, a curt nod or an easy nod, that, that's obvious, but um, you know, that, that gives a little bit more information than just saying like she nodded. Um, hunched over in a chair, that could imply um, being down or depressed, for example, or it could just, somebody could just be, have a backache or be tired, you don't know. But depending on what else is going on in the scene, this just sort of layers, layers it. So it's further evidence of whatever you're, whatever you're trying to get across to the readers. Um, stood stiffly, leaned forward, sat on the edge of the seat. So leaning forward and sitting on the edge of the seat could imply that somebody is interested you know, or listening closely, or sitting on the edge of the seat can imply, could, could imply excitement. Um, gestures, so that, for example, um, gestures could be hand movements, you know, arm movements. It could even be like with your feet. And legs. Um, so it could be motioning someone over, steepling or folding or tenting your hands in your lap, curling your hands into fists, a hand flying to the mouth, um, raking your hands through your hair, um, tapping foot up and down. So again, feel free to put in the comments, you know, what emotions like some of these um, prompts remind you of. For, for example, tapping your foot up and down, that might be something you do like when you're bored. So if your character is bored, you know, you could, ha you could have him yawning, you know, tapping his foot up and down um, rather than just 
coming out and you know and saying you know, Mike felt bored. Um, this is just some evidence. A hand flying up to the mouth that could convey shock or surprise. Touch. Um, see, touch can really communicate a great deal. It can convey like intimacy, discomfort, um, your confidence level around someone, and a lot more. So. For example, there's a difference between a firm handshake and a clammy, slippery handshake um, if, if somebody um, reaches out for your hand. Uh, brushing hair out of someone's eyes could convey, you know, uh, it could be like a romantic touch, you know, a romantic gesture of, of with touch, or it could be um, compassionate, you know, if somebody is upset or crying, um, circling an arm around someone's shoulders poking someone in the chest, like with your index finger, that could convey like annoyance maybe, shoving or hitting, um, hands brushing against each other, again, that could be like a you know, hinting at a bit of romance. Um, so there's lots of ways that you can incorporate touch into your book. And then movement and space can also give an important clue to your character's moods um, in relationships. So it can reveal like um, how comfortable your characters are around each other or how uncomfortable, um, hostility, dominance, uh, or love and affection. So running over to greet someone could convey like, eagerness or happiness, whereas swaggering into the room is more like confidence or cockiness, um, failure to rise for handshakes, that's kind of shows like a snub, backing away a step, um, looming over, um, you know, so someone who's looming over, your character could be trying to act like intimidating. And if one of your characters backs away, that it could sort of hint that they're feeling intimidated. Um, jumping out of the chair could convey like excitement or just shock, um, depending on the context. So it always also depends on the context of what's happening in the scene. And then facial expressions. Um, I tend to see a lot of like smiling and frowning. Um, again, this just you just really want to think about what exactly you're trying to portray and try to find some fresher expressions or just more concrete um, expressions to try to get the character's emotions across. So nibbling lower lip, um, the character might do that if they were just thoughtful or, or could be a nervous reaction, um, a vacant expression, um, oily smile, a clenched jaw, it hints at some maybe anger or annoyance, a face turning ashen, um, or a brow wrinkling into deep lines. Those are all examples of facial expressions. And then eyes and eye contact. Um, again, as I was saying before, eyes are very overused, but it, it, they can be used strategically also. So you definitely don't want to get rid of using eyes in your books, but you know, you want to do a search and make sure you're not using eyes like 100, 150 times. Um, just everything in moderation. But the way your characters look at each other can reveal a lot about their feelings. Um, it can demonstrate emotions such as affection, embarrassment, um, attraction, uh, or, angle, or anger, and also um, you know, eye contact 
can reveal a lot also, whether someone's confident, um, embarrassed, nervous. So examples are averting the gaze, eyes softening, gaze sliding downwards, eyes glistening with tears, um, gazes meeting or colliding, and peering up through the lashes. Um, okay, and then we have physiological and in internal. Um, so this is sort of like the nausea, like breathing, um, like breath, breathing, quickening, panting, um, flush face, accelerated heartbeat, um, sort of those, those, um, those internal sensations that your characters might feel. And those give a clue to like what their motivations are, what they're thinking, how they're feeling. So, um, if, if one of your characters said something in dialogue, in, if you, if it's like your viewpoint character, if you kind of layer it by adding some physiological and internal sensation, that can sort of help to illustrate, you know, why they're saying this or why they're reacting a certain way. So it just can go a long way toward um, helping your readers understand the character's motivations. So examples can be um, sweat dotting the forehead, um, feeling a heaviness in the chest, blood flow surging to the face is a way of saying the character was blushing or flushing, um, a lump clogging her throat, her heart thundering in her chest, tingling nerve endings. Those are all some examples of internal reactions that your characters might be feeling. And then I also, you could argue that mental and psychological reactions are kind of part of that physiological and internal sensations, but I'd like to just kind of make it a little bit separate um, because this is just sort of more psychological as opposed to like your, your heartbeat or pulse hammering where those are more physiological. Um, so it's important to pay attention to both and to include both in your book um, for your viewpoint characters. Uh, so examples would be like, is your character feeling jumpy, restless? Um, she's feeling like a twins of sympathy for someone. Um, maybe she's nervous about um, confrontation she's going to have and is mentally rehearsing what she's going to say. Someone who's embarrassed might just want to disappear. Um, if, if the character is excited, they might feel like a buzz, charge, thriller, zing, like shoot through them. Um, they could brace themselves for, you know, something for bad news or for something that they're, um, you know, not looking forward to. And then voice, um, there's a lot you can do with voice also. Um, is this an expression that it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. So how your characters speak can reveal a lot about them, um, like through their tone, their inflection, their timing and, and the pace of what they say, whether they're speaking um, quickly, um, slowly, loudly. Um, so for example, using a placating tone, um, voice sharpened, surly ring to the voice, um, someone that's booming orders, cutting in or interrupting, um, and stumbling over words are all examples of ways you could use voice. Um, and then appearance um, is really just like dis description. Um, and it's, this is important also to include in your book. 
um, that to choose your descriptive details carefully um, to convey the type of details that you want um, that you want your readers to like associate with that character. Like, pick pick these details strategically. What are you trying to get across about this character? So. Is there a character that has a tendency to wear wrinkled t-shirts and jeans um, or uh, tight dresses that mold to her curves? And it could be like through the whole book, somebody that sort of like wears a wardrobe like this through the whole book. Or maybe it's just for one scene, like where she's trying going on a date and trying to um, impress her date. So, um, you know, just think carefully about the details, the appearance details that you include, you know, and just really try to think about what you want to convey. So bad breath and uncut hair, tattoos and piercings, um, like a navy business suit and heels, a red socks baseball cap, these are all can, can reveal details about your character. Um, now, I have a mini course in ebook that if, if you want to learn more about nonverbal communication and body language, it's called the Energize Your Writing Toolkit, Cheat Sheets for Character Emotions, and it's available on my website. It's designed to be printed out and put in a binder. Um, you'll see that there's some blank lines here so that you can add some of your own prompts. So what it is, it's a 100-page PDF and mini class. So there's a PDF of um, just divided by different emotions, and, like such a, I have them from me right now. So for example, arrogance, anger, annoyance, uh, contemplation, fear, nervousness, excitement. So there's a whole bunch of emotions and then there's some prompts like the ones we just went over for each category divided into those little subcategories like the head the head movements and posture, the gestures, the movement in space, the facial expression. So I have some of those for each emotion. Um, it includes an overview of nonverbal communication and body language uh, and some tips on how to use the cheat sheets. Um, there's a walkthrough video and a bonus video. And there's more than 4,000 of those nonverbal prompts that I was giving you examples of that span 21 categories. So I have like, um, smiles, like all kinds of smiles and frowns. Um, so there's a lot in there. Uh, romance, kind of body language, um, and nonverbal communication that you might use in a romantic scene. Um, and it's $29, but if you use um, the link that we put in the comments, I'm trying to, oh, there. Okay, wait a minute you can get it for uh, $17 through Friday. Yeah, just can't get rid of this little thing here. <laughs> but we'll, we'll put it in the comments. Yeah, I put it up on the screen and I'll make sure and link it in the comments. Okay, yeah. Um, and these are just a couple of testimonials. testimonials. Um, from now on, this is my new writing companion. It's like a mini thesaurus on writing cues. I really like the setup too, very easy to use. Uh, I enjoyed this course for the twofold approach it takes by providing the shortcut document. I know I have a powerful weapon against repetition and the discussion questions got me thinking about the importance of this. So there's some short videos, there's a PDF, and then I also have some discussion questions where I take you through analyzing your manuscripts um, for how you've, how well you've used nonverbal communication in the past and trying to find patterns, like are there certain phrases or categories of nonverbal communication that you tend to overuse and, and 
ones that you don't really use enough. Um, so the goal is to get you thinking about it, using the blank lines to add your own phrases. Um, and then you can use some of the prompts word for word, or you can use them to combine them and mix and match them or come up, use them. I also want you to come up with your own, just get to use some of these as examples to get you thinking, um, to come up with some really fresh ones. Um, so if you use like a mix of those, that, that can really help to spice up your character's emotions. And I also teach a course called Book Editing Blueprint, a step-by-step -step plan to making your novels publishable if you'd like to learn more about self-editing. Um, and this course includes 10 modules that guide you through the editing process, um, 28 video tutorials, some quizzes, 200 pages of transcripts, and then there's a workbook and a step-by-step -step, um, blueprint to help you like, with, um, with self-editing your manuscript when you're ready to uh, start working on that. Um, and then you're welcome to come visit me at shortcutsforwriters.com. I have a free five-day line editing class. I have a free uh, Shortcuts for Writers Editing Made Simple Facebook group. Um, if you go in the units section of that group, I have a free book blurb toolkit that will guide you through writing your um, your book description, back cover copy, or um, description for Amazon and other retailers. So I definitely invite you to um, visit me on my Facebook group. Um, and if anybody has any questions, um, you know, just let, let us know, or I'll, I can check back later. And, and if you're watching the replay, um, I can ch check back, and I'm happy to answer you. Great. Let's see. Thank you so much, Jason. That was a great presentation. And I actually do have a couple of questions that maybe you could answer real fast. Um, so I noticed when you were talking about the, you know, how to create better descriptions, like instead of saying he smiled, you had like a smile ghosted onto his face, those ones. So would it be fair maybe to say that you should put verbs into your descriptions of the emotions? I noticed most of those had verbs in them. Yeah, because I, th I think verbs are going to make them more active. You know, I think a lot of writers tend to write more passively. I, I see like a lot of felt, also feel and felt. Those are really yep. common. Um, That's a big one for me. I will admit, I use felt, and my my uh, critique partners always get me on it. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's not like you can never use it, but you tend to right. you tend to you know if, if you have like a favorite word, it just tends to creep up over and over, and then you, then once it's pointed out, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you become more aware of it. But I sure. think yeah, you, looking for more. Um, just more vivid verbs, you know, you can even use a thesaurus to help you, you know, just, um, right. Yeah. Instead of like saying he, like, I just, ha I have this open, this, the, um, toolkit just open in front of me, but like, as an example, like instead of saying his legs felt unsteady, you could say his knees buckled or weakened or sagged. So you can see how that those verbs right. are just more, um, just more vivid. Yeah. So do you have any, one thing I was going to ask is if you had any resources to help with this, but it sounds like your courses are kind of the ultimate resource. Those sound yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah. And I, I started, I actually created this, the initial version of this um, PDF. I, I created it for myself many years ago because as I was saying, right. that was sort of my Achilles heel was like trying to flesh out my character's emotions and trying to find fresh ways to convey it. So I started this sort of a comp, uh, like a word file comp compiling 
different um, prompts for different categories. And it just grew and grew and grew over the years. And then when I became an editor, I saw that, oh, it's not just me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have other a lot of other writers had this issue also and then I expanded it and um, added some more categories and everything because I realized oh I think other people could you know benefit from this too because it's something you don't necessarily think about and you know but once but once you start really working on improving it it can really Mm -hmm. enhance your novel and even if you write like memoirs or uh, or creative nonfiction, if you're writing about people and places you know you still want to convey those characters they're really characters even if it's something that actually happened but you want to convey their motivations and you know just try to make it as vivid and engaging as possible and this is like a tool that can um nonverbal communication is a tool to help you to do that awesome and do you have any tips for how they can find their weaknesses i mean other than just reading through it is there any other way that you in particular look for it or you just have to kind of you could, um, you could like do a search, like you use the find and replace. You could search for certain, you could search for a word like felt. Um, you could search for like emotion words like sad or angry, you know, um, right. and then search for those comment, that, those overused words I was saying, like look, gaze, smile, frown, walk, search for those. And, mm-hmm. you know, that'll give you a good indication of some of the main culprits that a lot of writers have to see if you're, you know, if any of those are sort of your, right. <laughs> your like, um, Achilles heel. So. Yeah. Yeah. I do that. Actually. I have a list of crutch words that I edit for that. I same thing. They're just things that I used to, you know, use a lot. And I always kind of employ a 1% rule. I always say in any given, whether it's a chapter or several chapters, I can't use it more than 1% of the words. And I think I'm like way below that now. Usually I end up at like half a percent now, but when I first started, I used them so often I had to force myself down below 1%. <laughs> it's hard too, because I mean, it just come, you know, like when, when you're writing, and again, you don't want to, like, when you're writing your first job, I don't want I don't want to make it sound like it has to be perfect when you're writing your first draft, you know, just get right, that right. draft down. Um, but the more you kind of train yourself to do this, like if you go through your manuscript and once it's finished and you start pumping it up, um, you're going to really realize how much stronger it's getting. And then you'll sort of, for your next manuscript, you might not have as many because it's sort of like you're retraining your brain <laughs> to write more, right. um, to write more actively. So it'll just become more natural. The more you use it, the more you do it. Sure, for sure. Well, great. Thank you so much for presenting today. Um, one more time, we will put these in the uh, comments, but here's the link you can use. Um, to get Stacy's course. And when you check out, just use this code, Lisel17, and that'll give you the um, reduced price. So I will make sure and put those in the comments. And if anybody has any questions for Stacy, just feel free to comment them and she will try to get back around and answer them. Um, any other last minute advice you want to dispense, Stacy, before we call it a day? <laughs> um, you know, just really remember to try to show and not tell. I mean, th- right. th- there's a place for telling, but. Um, you know, just just really look take a look at your manuscript, and you re- you want readers just to really be able to feel like what your characters are. Right. Through, you know, look at through some of your favorite books that you've read, and um, analyze like why you're so um, attracted to them, or why it, certain characters resonate with you. And a lot of times, it's because you can relate to them. So mm-hmm. just think about how. Um, you can get your readers to understand your characters more without coming out and telling them, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you can just find ways to show it. 
Right, right. It's all about the emotion, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Bye. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.